Thanks for that, Simon. But I work with teenagers and I'm well used to not being listened to. So, so I I just wanted to talk about uh, loneliness in a a crowd uh, today. Um, A couple of months ago, a group of us from the church went to a big church day out, um, which was actually a weekend Uh, but despite it being inaccurately named, which is something that really annoys me, despite that, (laughs) it's not a big day out, it's a big weekend out, it's fine, I'm over it. Um, Despite that, it was really, really good, and there was was loads to do, and we spent the days, two days, exploring all that was on offer. There was chocolate tasting, rock climbing, and some fantastic worship music. And we also spent the time meeting up with friends and family, And at the end of the days, um, we'd meet back at Jane and Chris's caravan. Uh, They had a big gnome flying so that we could find it. And we'd meet up under that and uh, eat the meal that they'd cooked, share that together. And then some people would head back for the worship music. Other of us would hang around the van, um, trying to get out of the washing up, chatting and playing games. Um, And on the first night, by about nine o'clock... Uh, my children were well past it. So we headed back to our tent. We put the children to bed, and they were asleep within minutes. Um, and as it was chilly, Mark and I also got straight into our sleeping bags. And within seconds, Mark was snoring loudly. Um, but I did that annoying thing that you do when you get into bed of being wide awake. And if I'd been at home, I could have got up and cleaned a bathroom. But there aren't any in the tent. So I just laid there wide awake for what seemed like hours. Um, And eventually, the music that we could hear in the distance finished, and I could hear this stampede of people coming down the hill towards us. And they were laughing, they were singing, they were having an amazing time. Hundreds and hundreds of people walking past the tent. And I was laying there wide awake, and Mark and the kids were sound asleep, and I felt really lonely. None of these people knew that I was there. And I wasn't alone. You know, some of my closest friends were really nearby, But I felt, in that moment, really, really lonely. Um, And we're rarely truly alone, but that doesn't mean that we don't feel lonely. So loneliness um, has recently become quite a hot topic, um, and it's a recognised part of the lives that we live. Last month, the Office of National Statistics found that Britain is the loneliness capital of Europe. Um, So we're less likely to have strong friendships or to know our neighbours than residents anywhere else in the EU. Um, And a relatively high proportion of us have no one to rely on in a crisis. Meanwhile, different research earlier this year in Chicago found that loneliness is twice as bad for people's health as obesity. And it's almost as great a cause of death as poverty. Uh, So it's a really serious thing. In 2010, the Mental Health Foundation found loneliness to be a greater concern among young people than among the elderly. The 18 to 34-year-olds surveyed surveyed, were more likely to feel lonely often and to worry about feeling lonely and to become depressed because of loneliness. So there are many, many facilities in place for the elderly population who may feel lonely. Um, but as yet, there's very little for young people, especially when they get over the age of 21 and they're considered too old for youth services. And this is problematic uh, because there's a close relationship between loneliness and mental health. And it's linked to increased stress, depression, paranoia, anxiety, addictive behaviours, and it's a known risk factor in suicide. 
completely lost control, Liam. <laughs> um, where was I? Yeah, so it, it, it leads to stress and anxiety, and um, it's, a, it's a massive factor in suicide. Um, so loneliness, as with my example earlier, is not caused necessarily by the physical absence of people, um, but by the perception that there's no one around you that you can connect to. And the loneliness problem amongst young people has increased massively uh, with the online relationships. So although they mean that we can talk to people anytime, anywhere, um, they do not replace face-to-face contact. And online relationships have been established as not effective relationships in the long term. And they create a vicious circle because when we feel down about ourselves, we can retreat to online where we can present our best selves Um, But, of course, we can't keep that up, and so the loneliness increases. The Bible quickly identifies loneliness as not good for us, and it advises us how best to help ourselves and others. So the obvious starting point here is Genesis 2.18, and it says, The Lord God said, It isn't good for man to be alone. I will make a companion for him, a helper suited to his needs. Throughout the Bible, we are told in times of trouble, we are to turn to God, to rely on him, to trust in him. Of course, we know that. Of course, we should. Um, But it's one of those things that's hard to connect in our heads. And God knows this. He offers us solutions. In Psalm 68, he gives families to the lonely. The Bible doesn't talk about family in the nuclear sense, um, but about extended family, church family, oikos. Um, In other words, if we live life together, we can help each other, we can take care of each other and reduce the actual physical loneliness. And more importantly than that, through the connections we make, we can guide and help each other to grow closer to God. And when we're close to God, the loneliness isn't a problem anymore. So in the passage that Linda read to us at the beginning, Peter gives further guidance. He indicates that by discipling others, And by allowing ourselves to be discipled, we can form meaningful and lasting relationships. When we say that we're lonely, we don't mean we're physically alone, but it's a mental state. We need someone to listen to us, talk to us, agree with us, and affirm us. Sometimes we even need people to offer a different opinion or to to debate the accuracy of ours. These are all examples of good, healthy contact between people and as such are invaluable to our growth. A discipling relationship provides someone who believes in you whilst understanding the imperfections of your own life. So that will provide a role model, um, both in the way that you talk and behave, and their input allows you to see how God is working in your own life. Seeing a godly life lived out is an invaluable benefit for any of us. And this was recognised by Paul in 1 Corinthians, who advises us to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. By letting someone into your life to disciple you, you will be promoting spiritual growth and you will have someone holding you accountable as you grow and develop. But today's culture emphasises the need for independence. We're encouraged to go our own way, to do what feels right for us, and to encourage others to do the same. We are discouraged from being dependent and wanting or needing help. We live in a postmodern world, and everyone decides their own right or wrong, but this has a negative effect on faith and family. And this is not biblical. 
God did not create people to be independent and move through the world alone. Our Father understood that there are points where we all need encouragement and support. This does not make us weak, but in fact gives us great strength. The Bible is clear that we will experience trials in our lives, and these will be significantly worse if we have no one around us when we need help. A close friend or disciple can assist us to understand God's ways and purposes in difficult times. This is biblical. Jesus lived among his disciples, and he encouraged a healthy dependence on him. So a lot of the young people that I speak with, they say that they're unsure what to do with their lives, and they worry about their futures. Even the most secure of teenagers seem to worry about how they'll fit in, whether or not they'll ever get married, and whether they'll have the job that they want. And this has changed and increased worryingly within this generation. In a recent article about young people, it was reported that 25% of teens struggle with anxiety. And the the article gives many different reasons, um, from materialism to drugs to a higher rate than ever of divorce amongst parents. All these things contribute to teenagers feeling very anxious. Um, Also, being forced to stay at school longer means that for some, the seemingly endless teenage years go on well into their 20s. The article argues that there is a strong sense of entitlement among teenagers today and that this can lead to disappointment when their dreams are not realised. All this is quite alarming for this generation, but there is something we can do about it. We all know that it's really hard to stay on the right road, especially if you don't know where you're going. Uh, Young people need more help than ever to find their path in life, and discipling helps them to establish and achieve their goals, both spiritually and personally. It can help us to keep our lives balanced and suggest adjustments along the way. Disciples can also become a trusted counsel when decisions need to be made. They can teach that weighing and praying major decisions is extremely valuable. One positive discipling relationship can have a positive effect on all other relationships. The changed life discipling can provide has the potential to heal other relationships, influence others, and draw them towards Christ. In 1 Peter that we heard earlier, it says, don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. So by living alongside people, by allowing them access into your lives, you can disciple them, and you will also find people that can disciple you. But this takes a risk. When we allow people into our lives, we let them see the real us, and we can't keep up the act for long. Eventually, people will notice that you're not perfect. And if we're honest, we all have traits that are less than perfect. Uh, So for me, when I first started having teenagers around my house all the time, I I had a real thing about shoes not being on the shoe rack. It's it's like, it's a thing. And and people would come round and notice that the shoes weren't on the shoe rack. And they knew then that they weren't always on the shoe rack. And I've had to let that go, (laughs) sort of. Um, And if we're honest, we all have traits like that that make us less than perfect. Um, And when we're discipling people, they can help us to work through that, and we can help them to work through similar things and bigger things, the more serious stuff God is waiting to help us with. He wants to help us. And being discipled can help you, can bring you closer to God, and allow him to help you. 
Mallison defines discipling as a dynamic, intentional relationship of trust in which one person enables another to maximise the grace of God in their lives. So, could you disciple someone? Or are you thinking, I need to get me one of those disciple things? Um, There's been much written about the characteristics needed by those who disciple. It's generally agreed that first and foremost... Um, a discipling relationship must be trustworthy and reliable and consistent uh, with a Christ-centered attitude. In other words, uh, the, the necessary skills of listening, affirmation and encouragement, as well as a good sense of perspective, is needed. Um, consistency builds trust, and this comes through an honest and long-term relationship. Um, in Ephesians 4.32, it's summed up when it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. And that's the main thing that you need to be a disciple. Uh, the long-term relationship is vital. Discipling is not something we can do for a week or two. Generally, it's believed that any follower of Christ can disciple. It is, however, important that anyone partaking in this way of life has their own identified person that they can go to. So this is where living in a community or an oikos um, is fantastic because we have someone discipling us and in turn we can help others. And we see examples of this in the Bible. So Jethro discipled Moses who in turn discipled Joshua. Jesus was the ultimate discipler. He was able to adapt his leadership style for every situation that he was in. He could pay attention to the uniqueness of every individual and therefore lift the contact uh, to relationship. Jesus spoke plainly so he could be understood, but at the same time, he left people with something to think about. He was always truthful, but he corrected as well as encouraged the twelve. But he also spent time away from them, alone with his father, and he encouraged them to do the same. Discipling is not in any way about replacing the role of the parent. Where possible, it should be done in partnership with the family, with the youth team, and if necessary, with school. It can, however, fulfill a role that is not otherwise filled and bridge the gaps that are caused by generations, class, and faith. Investing in each other, and particularly our young people, will help everyone in the future. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, we are told, Teach a child to choose the right path, and when he is older, he will remain upon it. And this is exactly what we need for our young people. They will one day be running the churches, our governments, our schools, our hospitals. Um, It's incredibly short-sighted not to want them to do that with their hearts connected to Christ. So we have to remember that God's great commission is to disciple. Uh, Becoming part of a discipling relationship is a response to this command. The benefits can be seen in human terms, but will ultimately be measured from an eternity perspective. By investing in others, we are investing in the kingdom, and the benefits are priceless. Ultimately, perhaps that's the most important point. Call it what you want, uh, but are you committed to help people follow Jesus? And are you committed to make time to grow someone's faith, seeing their relationship with Jesus impact every part of their lives? And are you passionate about seeing those who follow your example going on to be an example for others? Disciples making disciples. So if you're wondering who you could have that kind of relationship with, then stop wondering because it's much simpler than that. Um, Think about who is in your life already 
who influences you? Who are you close to and who do you care about? If you're already in regular contact with someone, then maybe God has already lined you up for a discipling relationship. So pray about that person and try and intentionally meet with them this week. If there is someone then you could disciple, then invite them into your life. And this can be anything in your life, a round for tea and cake, out for a run, football, cake, barbecue, prayers, cake, Um, anything (laughs) that can start a conversation, preferably with cake. Um, So we have this long, hot summer ahead of us, and we could usually use that discipling. We could fill it with discipling and prayers and Jesus and cake. Um, But this is not yet another church thing that takes time away from your family Uh, You can invite the person to spend time with your family. You can invite whole families to spend time with whole families. There have been many arguments for discipling. And if you look into it, you'll find infinite reasons why you should um, and infinite ideas of how you could. You may have seen the video that we're going to show in a minute uh, before, but it sums up why it's really important to make the effort. So as you watch this, my hope is that God will help us to embrace his expansive vision of transformed lives. Um, And we can do that through discipleship. And I pray that he will give us the passion to wholeheartedly commit to do it in his strength and for his glory. There are nine million children and young people within the UK and Ireland who only know Jesus as a swear word. Nine million If they stood in a line, it would stretch from Land's End to John O'Groats. Not once, not twice, but three times. This generation are drowning in a tsunami of consumerism. They're written off by the media. They're wrestling with destructive lifestyle choices, impacted by family breakdown. And whilst many churches are working hard to reach out, half of all churches have no provision for children and young people at all. But what if this could be turned around? Are you willing to believe we could change the future? The future, not just for this generation, but for those not even born. Dare you believe the answer is as simple as one, two, three. Imagine you invite one person to be your guide. Someone you're learning from. Someone who can help and challenge you to become everything that God created you to be. And then you ask two people to be your running mates. People who you share your life with, being open about your real struggles, your secret life, mutually accountable, challenging, real relationships. What if you were willing to pass the baton of faith to three other people, equipping them to become all that God created them to be, living like Jesus in the world, inspiring each of them to share their faith with others, disciples making disciples. The Apostle Paul understood that we can never reach our full potential in Christ without a number of truly accountable relationships. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul writes, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. If just 100 people committed to 1, 2, 3, then in one year we'd be investing in 300 young people. If those 300 caught the vision, there would be over 1,200 people in these intentional disciple-making relationships. By the end of year 3, there could be 3,900, and by the end of year 4, 12,000. 
and so on. Within only a decade, the church could see over 2 million children and young people become followers of Jesus. And 2 million children and young people who are passionate followers of Jesus would change a whole generation. In fact, it could be the tipping point to change a whole nation, maybe even change the world. Why aim for anything less? It's as simple as one, two, three. 